I don't know how many of you have life quotes, quotations which have touched you in a way that uh, they're with you for life. A quotation you could put on your T-shirt and wear it proudly. Here's mine. It was written about G.K. Chesterton as a reviewer was writing about his work on Dickens. So Chesterton writes a book on Charles Dickens and here's the quotation about Chesterton from the reviewer. Here is a soul having adventures among the masterworks. Here is a soul having adventures among the masterworks. I like the word soul. I like the word masterworks. And I love the word adventures. Adventures. Because here in 2 Corinthians, in this passage that has been read to us, we have the adventures of Paul. Now there are sufferings here and hardships, but I want to look at it another way this morning and say, here are the adventures of Paul. And the adventures of Paul do include suffering. Now there are two, at least two kinds of suffering. There's natural suffering when it comes to illness and the things that go wrong with our bodies. And then the scripture also speaks about specific suffering to do with being a Christian. Endurance, troubles, hardships, persecution. Life has all these things. Today, I'm not going to consider or go into detail about the problem of suffering in the world. I think this, it's really important to address it, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Because Paul isn't doing that in this context. What he is doing is talking about the suffering and the hardships that he has through his ministry because of his ministry. But although there is suffering here, as we heard in the reading, even though there is endurance, troubles, hardships, distresses, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, etc. All these things are in the list. And Paul has a few of these lists. Being a follower of Christ for Paul was having adventures. A soul having adventures. You see, a real follower of Christ must accept the possibility of suffering and hardship. As followers of Christ, we follow him. Christianity is hard. I admit that. I know that. Many of you have been Christians longer than I and seen the problems that come in ministry and in service. But I want to tell you this. There have been many problems, but there have been many adventures. And some of the problems have become adventures in the telling. 
Our stories that we tell from day to day are generally stories of something extraordinary that has happened. That's why we tell them. We just don't come, you know, and you see your friends and say, oh, I, uh, I had food today, I had breakfast, and then after breakfast, um, it was a few hours, and then, you know, I had uh, lunch, lunch, uh, it was ham and eggs, and uh, then I saw something on TV, and then I, you know, that's not an exciting story. Though some people do go along that uh, sort of uh, conversation at times. But stories come out of adventures in life. As a child, I loved adventures. Now, they were small adventures as I look back, but for a kid, they were huge. It was going to the next field. It was trying to get through the field without the cows chasing you. It was trespassing in the farmer's field. It was going up the small little river and looking for snakes and eels. And it was adventurous. And we would talk about it. And believe it or not, I still talk about it and have written about it. Twain sums it all up when he speaks of his childhood, the adventures of Tom Sawyer. It's the adventures, the adventures. Childhood at its best is adventure. And I tell you this, sometimes in this day and age, children have been held back from adventures. They're unable to get adventures. I'm so glad that I had adventures. I'm so glad that I had dangers. I'm so glad that I climbed trees and fell off trees and fell into rivers because I've still got stories about them. And this has continued throughout life. When I was a teenager, I had adventures. I won't go into all of them. At 15 years old, I hitchhiked to a pop festival in 1972, just outside London. Oh, man, that was cool. Hey, man, catch a motor running. Get out on the highway looking for adventure. For those of you who know, those of you who know, Steppenwolf. We hitchhiked to France in the late 70s and got stuck outside Versailles. Nobody would pick us up, and we had to sleep in a wood. And it was wonderful, because we still talk about it. We camped out on a Welsh coastline when I was 14 years old, and I forgot to bring the pegs for the tents. And it poured down, and we were soaked. And we brought canned food, and we, could, we didn't bring a can opener. We were so stupid, but I got a story to tell. I've still got a story to tell. As an adult, I've had adventures. When I had my sabbatical from my last church, I had two months sabbatical. So I thought, what shall I do? I'm getting on in life, you know, what shall I do? So I went to the Middle East. 
went to Damascus in Syria, visited Petra in Jordan. And then, of course, I came to live in America. That was an adventure. And getting married to Gwen was also an adventure. <laughs> but life is full of adventures. It must be daring, or it could be full of adventures, or should be full of adventures. And I want to say that the Christian must dare, must dare. And it means risk. It means doing things that you're not absolutely sure about. It's going out of your safety net, comfort zone. I was converted in 1974, 17 years old. Very zealous, typical me. Loud, centre of attention. So I decided I was going to evangelise all the places I'd been to before I was a Christian. So literally just a few months after I became a Christian, I organised a campaign to go to the Welsh National Eisteddfod, which is a cultural meeting. And we stayed on the, the youth camping ground. And the youth camping ground was not tame. Everybody got drunk, it was, you know, it was just a wild thing. So we thought, how can we reach these people? So we built a fire, that worked. And then we began to sing Welsh hymns. If you're not a Christian in Wales, you can sing Welsh hymns, if you're Welsh-speaking. So we stood round the fire and began to sing Welsh hymns. Everybody comes out, And here they would come in, all coming. We had a huge crowd. And my friend, Ruth Rees, a friend I've known since she was 12 years old, and she was standing next to me. And she said, someone's got to say something to all these. And she said, give your testimony. I said, you're joking. <laughs> I said, go on, say something. She said, go on. I thought, oh no, oh no. This is beyond my comfort zone. And then I said, you know, I got something to tell you tonight. <laughs> we all looked. And I, I gave them my testimony. And a pile of people hung around. And we talked throughout the night till about four in the morning. And one or two of them eventually became Christians and one of them went into the ministry. Life must be full of adventure. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you not to settle down. One of my favourite phrases, I was going to give another story. Let me give you another story. This was my most frightening. <laughs> when I was in Wales, I used to go into schools, to the Christian unions in Wales. And so I'd go and I'd give a talk to the Christian union. There might be 20 people there generally, or 15 people, and I'd give a talk, Bible talk. So a guy in Swansea said, well, come to speak to my Christian union. I said, yeah, of course I'd come. No, no problem at all. So I come to the place, and I see posters all over the school. Stand-up comedian. Funnier than anyone on TV. And my name. I said, whoa! 
I said, so the guy comes to meet me. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, oh, I just wanted to bring people in. I said, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. The place was packed. It was packed out. Everyone packed in. It was like a revival meeting, except they were expecting a stand-up comedian. That was a hard one. So I thought of every story I had, the funniest I could think of. And you know, it went great. But I'll never do it again. <laughs> never. If anyone tries that on me again, they're in trouble. And there are lots of adventures. Remember the time I was challenged to write the book and I thought, I can never do that. Eventually you did it. It was an adventure. A.W. Tozer, one of my favourite authors, one of his, my favourite quotes from him is this, refuse, refuse to be average. And sometimes there's a danger that we become tame and average. Life is made up of stories Stories of experience. And the Christian life should be made up of stories of the experience of God in our day-to-day -day lives. And Paul has those stories. That's the context here. That's why he does that. He gives us an index, if you like, into those stories. Let me tell you a group of people who have stories. Veterans. They have stories. I once spoke to a World War I pilot, British pilot, who sought to fight the Red Baron and tried to fight him. I remember speaking to a, a guy who was involved in the Navy at the Gallipoli landings in 1915, orchestrated, of course, by the great Winston Churchill. It was a disaster. I spoke to another man who was at Passchendaele, a machine gunner in the mud. Williams from Llanelli. I spoke, and a number of you know, uh, Glenn Luigi, who landed on Iwo Jima. And I asked him, were you scared? He said, no, he said, I, I, I was 19, and you know, I believed in God, and I was all right. Oh, man, my life. Incredible. I spoke to another man who liberated Dachau concentration camp. Some of those stories are horrendous. And some of those stories have meant scars as well. But sometimes, and I think I'm, I think I'm quoting Richard Wombran, I think, in the book Tortured for Christ, who's a Romanian pastor, died about ten years ago. And he said, when you get to the judgment seat, Christ will not ask you what theological work you've read, what, what sermons that you've said and preached. He will ask you, show me your scars. Show me your scars. And in one of the first Christian movies I ever saw, which was his testimony, he takes off his shirt and shows us the scars on his back when he was tortured. Now, I don't want that sort of adventure, please. But sometimes we've tamed and 
diluted Christianity so much that a big adventure is going to chapel or going to church, especially when it's raining and there's a bit of snow. Whoa, I made it. What an adventure. Come on. Give us a break. Give us a break. We are called to be people of character. How much, said someone, has your Christianity cost you? How many stories do you have? There's a big d d debate here in America. Christian debate. Will Christians go through the tribulation? I used to debate that in the early 70s. And people really get upset about it. I had one person actually come to the church just about a year ago. And she enjoyed the service and afterwards uh, she asked me, do you believe that Christians will go through the tribulation? That was a big question. And I said, well, in this church, actually, some do and some don't. And I'm preaching on it next week, believe it or not. She never came back. Cred. But let me tell you this. Will Christians go through the tribulation? If you're faithful, you'll go through the tribulation right now. Now. You won't have to wait for any rapture or anything. You be faithful to Christ now and you'll have your tribulation. You'll have it. George Fox, the founder of the Quakers, speaks of persecution. He was quite a character. Didn't agree with everything he said. He would go and he went to this place and a Bible was thrown at him. Struck him in the face. He's bleeding. He's thrown over a hedge. What did he do afterwards? Straight away he got up and preached his gospel to them. The history of early Methodism is the same history. If you want to make friends and influence people, being a Christian is probably not the best way. Because Christianity holds so many things which are contrary to the feel of the culture around us. Christianity is narrow. It believes in sex within marriages between men and women. And to think that that is a radical thing to say is amazing. That's become radical. Give me a break. That's what I believe. I believe in gender. I believe that abortion is not to be used as a contraceptive device. I refuse to believe that wealth and fame is the answer to life. I don't believe all religions and all cultures are equal. I believe in loving my enemies and I hate acts of violence. I believe in forgiveness and the restoration of all who repent. I do not believe that there is any one political party that is closer to God than any other, but all have fallen short of the glory of God. I believe in the moral integrity needed of a Christian. I believe in purity, understanding, patience, and the, the kindness of the Holy Spirit, as it says in verse 6 and 7. I believe in caring for the poor, as Isaiah says, the widows and the fatherless. Most of these things today will get you in trouble. We are the counterculture now. 
I was part of the counterculture in the 70s, rebelling against the sameness of the 50s, if you like. But now, thank God, I'm still in the counterculture. It's the counterculture of the kingdom. It's the upside-down kingdom. That should be our testimony. It should be Jesus first, before self. That's hard. Before patriotism, before friendships, before desires and wants, before fame and popularity. That is the beginning of 2 Corinthians 6. That's what it's about. But there is one other thing. <laughs> Go back to verse 2. That bit is challenging. This bit is even worse. It's worse. Now is the time of God's salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Now. All those things we challenge, we must start doing now. Bishop Taylor Smith, the great Keswick uh, convention speaker, said these words. I've never forgotten them. I wasn't there when he said them. He'd been dead probably a hundred years, but that's besides the point. I still use his words. As then, so now. You see, most of us have got a then. Oh, I will do it then. I will do then, then, then. He said, it doesn't count. Now is what counts. You say, there are no thens. Just nows. Then is often never. Then is invisible. Then doesn't yet exist. Then is an excuse. Then will probably never happen. Then is procrastination. Then is not something that you can realize. Then is fiction. Then is unbelief. Now is all. As then. So now. So now. God calls us to start on that journey of adventure now, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, now is the day of salvation. If you are a Christian and you're not having adventures, now is the day of your salvation. Now. Now. And this morning we're going to use the communion as that doorway into that now. Because as we partake of the communion, I want you to pray your own prayers and say, Lord, now I'm going to do this. I've been putting it off. But now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to deal with this aspect of my life or that aspect of my life. Now I'm going to give myself to some ministry. Now I'm going to say no to this. Now I'm going to reconcile with so-and-so. Now I'm going to do these things. Because the only thing that counts in God's eyes is now is the day of salvation. Now. So let's prepare ourselves. Let's be quiet before the Lord. And I'll call those who are helping to come forward.